You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. that which we don't understand, we need to turn to that which we do understand. When we're faced with that which we don't know, we need to turn to that which we do know. God's love, the cross. We need to return to that. I call it centering ourselves. Because sometimes we tilt. We get off center because of our choices or because of things we do. We get off center because of sin and and those type of things. We're off center. We need to center ourselves back focusing on Christ. When you hit rock bottom in life, you realize you're at the end of yourself. It's at these moments God helps you recognize how much you need Him. Today, Pastor Dave will explain how the Lord will allow things in your life that drive you back to Him. God wants to restore and renew you. Your only true help comes from Him. Here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30 as he begins his message, A Mission from God. First Samuel chapter 30, we have been plowing our way through this wonderful, wonderful book of 1 Samuel. And we have come to the next to the last chapter, We're going to pick it up in verse 9 and move on. And we're going to finish the chapter. I was looking at this, and I began to study it. And um, David's on a mission from God. David's on a mission from God right now. You know, and I know you're probably thinking of the Blues Brothers, but that's okay. David is on a mission from God. That's where I got it. God is sending him now, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But someone once said, that different people react in different ways to the same circumstances because of what life does to us. What life does to us depends upon what life finds in us. What life does to us depends upon what life finds in us. I'll explain. When David was not abiding in the Lord, We read through those chapters when David was not abiding in the Lord, when he wasn't trusting him, when he wasn't seeking him with his whole heart, when he wasn't pursuing him with all his strength, when he wasn't walking in God's love, we saw a different David. He was a different person. He had a different personality. His whole being seemed to be different. And when we read these scriptures, different than the one that God had anointed king back in the beginning, David seemed different. David, we know, had fallen to great depths, probably new depths for David at that time. He had not only consorted with the enemy, lived in their camp, but then he wanted to go to battle against Israel with them. And after being rejected by the Philistines, David thought he had reached rock bottom, but he was just on his way down. He hadn't reached there yet. As he returned to his beloved city of Ziklag, the one that the Philistines gave him, They saw smoke billowing up from afar. 
And when they got there, they found the city in ruins. It had been burnt to the ground by the Amalekites. And not only that, they discovered that not only had David's wives been taken captive, but the wives and the children of all the men of Ziklag were gone. They had been taken captive. And this scene caused David great distress. It caused him to wail and weep bitterly, especially when he realized that it was because of him. When David realized the depth and the gravity of his sin, when he saw the results and the consequences of what he did, the choices he made, he was crushed. He was brokenhearted. And finally, he was at rock bottom. Finally, he had got the rock bottom. And unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, God does the same to us. God works us into a corner. He works us into a place where we are at our lowest, where we are at the end of ourselves, where there's no place else to go but to him. And we call out to him. There were people in David's midst that even wanted to stone him. His own men wanted to kill him for what he had done. We studied verse 6b last week. As David finally comes to his senses, he finally encouraged himself in the Lord, it says. The light in his brain finally came on, and David knew that the only encouragement he could find is with the Lord. The only one that David could depend upon was God. His men wanted to stone him. The nation Israel had rejected him. The Philistines didn't want him. He had no place else to go. He thought no one was on his side. But God was on his side. God had never left him. God's promise to David was, I will never leave nor forsake you. And God said, I won't leave you, and God never left him. God watched all along as David, choice after choice, bad choice after bad choice, and God watched all along, knowing that he had to do this in David and had allowed this to happen in David to get him to be the man he wanted him to be. This was all training. This was all training so that David could take the throne. Remember I told you last week as we study chapter 30 and moving into chapter 31, David becoming king is only several days away. David is going to be king of Israel. The circumstances are going to come full circle and things are going to come to a rise and David will be declared king because Saul and Jonathan and his other son will be dead. and David will ascend to the throne. David encouraged himself with the Lord. The enemy had taken everything away from David. Everything. And yes, the Lord allowed it. And sometimes we're at a spot where the Lord takes everything away from us. And the Lord allows it. Because he has a purpose. He wants you to call out to him. He wants you to come back and trust in him. He wants you to come back and seek him. He wants to bring you back to him. So he allows these things to be false, and he gets you into a place, and he's there. And we're to look to him. We're to seek him with our whole heart. And once we do, just like David, we encourage ourselves in the Lord. He becomes our encourager. How did David do that? I told you last week. He remembered God's promises. When you're in a bad way, and you're in that spot, remember the promises in his word. Remember those promises and cling to them and glean from them. Remember how God called upon your life. Peter says, make your calling and election sure. Remember the call God placed upon your life. Remember the times God had delivered you in the past. That's what David did. He remembered those times. And most of all, and more importantly than anything, remember God's love. That is for you. That was demonstrated for you 
on a cross, God's love. And this is where it starts. When we've reached the bottom, when we've reached the end of ourselves in any circumstances, and we want to get back that which was eaten away by the locust, that which the enemy has taken away, when we want to get that back, it could be a life. It could be a life. It could be possessions. I don't know what it is. Whatever has been taken away by the enemy. Most of us, it's our lives have been ruined by an enemy. We have a, an enemy who roars around like a lion who wants to destroy us, who wants to eat us up and spit us out. And he destroys our lives with drugs, with alcohol, with pornography, with all sorts of crazy things, with a quest for material, with a quest for money. And he destroys our lives. And when our lives are in shambles, when our lives are just destroyed by this enemy, God says, come to me, and I want to restore you. Come to me, and I want to restore the years the locusts have eaten away. I want to restore all those things to you. I want to build you back up in my love. Let me build you back up. We have to remember those things. And David knew exactly what needed to be done. The light finally came on, and so do you. You know that when you're in this spot, where to go. You know from whence your help come from. You know that as a Christian, as someone who studies the word, you know that. But sometimes we need to be reminded. Sometimes a brother or a sister just has to come alongside and say, hey, remember. Remember what God did for you just last week. Remember what God did for you the week before. Remember God's faithfulness to you. Come back to him. David knew that. So David chose to encourage himself in the word. And notice I said it was a choice. Notice I said it was a choice. You can choose to stew. You can choose to be angry. You can choose to wallow in your pity and self-pity. And God will allow you to stay there. But David chose to encourage himself in the Lord. It was David's choice. He didn't wallow in his problems. He didn't say, oh, woe is me. He could have complained. He could have blamed someone. He could have gone on without listening. No one's listening. Everybody's gone away. Give me some worms to eat. I'm just, I'm feeling well. This is terrible. Or he could have turned to alternative substances. Well, you know what? I'm not happy, so I know something that can make me happy. But instead, David turned to that which he knew was true. And I've contended all along, and you've heard me say this before, and I do not mind repeating it again and again and again. I've always said, when we're faced with that which we don't understand, we need to turn to that which we do understand. When we're faced with that which we don't know, we need to turn to that which we do know. God's love. The cross. We need to return to that. I call it centering ourselves. Because sometimes we tilt. We get off center because of our choices and because of things we do. We get off center because of sin and, and those type of things. We're off center. We need to center ourselves back focusing on Christ. David encouraged himself in the Lord, and then he sought the Lord's counsel. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. He sought the Lord's counsel. Let's read verses 8. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, the Lord answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. This is wonderful. David doesn't rush out to take things in his own hand. David doesn't roll up his, his arm sleeves and says, Okay, that's it. I'm going to take care of this for you, Lord. He doesn't rush out to seek vengeance. He sought the Lord's will. What is your will for me, Lord? What is your will for me? 
The Lord is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And even though David wasn't in a total place of obedience, the Lord rewarded David graciously. He replies to David. He didn't have to say anything to David. And David's backslidden sake, the Lord could have ignored him. But not our Lord, because our Lord is full of grace. Our Lord is full of mercy. Our Lord is abounding in mercy and grace. And when David called out to him, he was there. Just for you too. For you too, if you're in trouble tonight. If you're at a hard place right now and you don't know where to turn, things are coming in from all sides. The one thing that the Lord will answer is, God, help me. Help me. Be my help. What a testimony of God's grace. What a testimony of God's grace. Look at verse 9a. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him. I love the first three words of this verse. So David went. David encouraged himself for the Lord. He pursued the Lord. He sought the Lord's will. And he got the answer, and he never hesitated. Well, you know what? I'm, I might need some more confirmation. I'm not so sure. I, I, gee, you know, is, was the Lord really talking to me? How do I know the Lord's voice? I mean, I don't know if I should go or not. I mean, I asked him, and he said, yeah, but is he really telling me to go, or should I stay, or should I go? I don't know. What should I do? What should I do? David went. I love that. So David went. That's huge. The Lord called him, said, go, and David went. Because he had confidence in the Lord. He had confidence in the Lord. I love that. How many times do we hear God's voice within our heart and hesitate? Show me a sign. I need a sign, Lord. I'm not moving without a sign. I told you my sign. I told you me. I've said it before. Lord, write it in the sky and I'll go. David, go. Now make it green. <laughs> Come on. Then this, this is what I love about this. Read the rest of the verse. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and came to Brook Bezor, where those stayed who were left behind. They, they came to this place. Here's the neat thing I'm trying to point out with. The same men who... A couple hours ago, I wanted to stone him. The same men who were kicking around stones going, oh, we're going to get rid of this guy. We're going to take this guy out. Now they want to follow him. And I have a point here. They, they want to follow him. I contend that they heard and saw a different David. I contend that they heard and saw a different David than the one before. Oh, they were continually following David, but you hear grumbling and complaining as you read all through this narrative. You hear them grumbling and complaining. They're not so sure about this guy. They heard and saw. They heard difference in his voice, a difference in his mannerism, a difference in his boldness, a difference in everything, and this attracted them to him. And they followed him willingly. As Christians, we're supposed to be different than the world. Our lives are supposed to show something different. Not that we don't sin, we do. But even after we do, we're repentive, we're apologetic, we're, we're, you know, there's a difference in our lives, and people see that. People see that in your lives, and this is one of the reasons why it's very dangerous for men to counsel women. It's very dangerous for men to counsel women. Because, or a woman to counsel a man. Because if a man is counseling a woman and he has the love of the Lord inside of him, it's very attractive. It's very attractive. And I told you before, nothing attracts me to my wife as much as when I see her worshiping the Lord. Man, 
That's strong attraction there to see my wife do that. So when you're counseling someone, that's why you try to stay when you're counseling to the same sex or counsel as husband and wife to someone of the opposite sex because it's very attractive. There's an attraction there when they see what you have in Christ. They're attracted to that, and they think they're attracted to you when they're really attracted to Christ in you. You've got to be extremely careful with that, extremely careful in that because it's very, very attractive. These men followed David. They, they wanted to be with him. This is what others see in us. They see the light of Christ through our words and our deeds. Christ is noticeable, even when you're going through a bad time. You may be going through a bad time, and I've been through some bad times, and I remember somebody coming to me after a bad time going, man, you really showed the love of Christ. I went, what? Here I thought I, was, here I, thought I wasn't showing the love of Christ. And this person comes up and says, man, I really saw the love of Christ in you. I said, well, praise God for that, you know, because I was whining and complaining and kicking my feet and stamping my hands. You know, I was a baby. But they see that. They see something that's noticeable. And, you know, I just had to go to our favorite verse. I had to go to our favorite verse, which Mark and I have been kicking around. And it's really become powerful to us. It really becomes powerful to us. If you, if you don't have to turn there, I'll turn there for you. In the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, in chapter 4, Peter and John and the guys are drawn before the Sanhedrin. It's in chapter 4. They're drawn before the Sanhedrin because of the lame man at the gate, beautiful. They're drawn to the Sanhedrin, right? And they're put before him. And the Sanhedrin is grilling them. And they don't understand what's going on with these guys. And I love this. I love this verse in verse 14 of chapter 4. Now when they, the Sanhedrin, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled. These guys think they are. They're nothing. Where's their degree from Hebrew school? Where's their degree from Hebrew University? Where's their degree in ministry? Who do these guys think they are? They're nothing. They're just untrained men. They're ignorant. What's wrong with these guys? They perceived that they were ignorant. Oh, little did they know. Little did they know what was going on. And then the kicker. And then they realized, a light went on. They had been with Jesus. Oh. If you can't grasp the power in that statement, Man, there is power in that statement. This ruling body of the Hebrews called the Sanhedrin, Hendrin, Sanhedrin, whatever you want to pronounce it, this ruling body of what many, many believe Paul was a part of this. Many believe he was. They're looking down on these guys, and they're going, ugh. We can't even be bothered to be these guys. These are ignorant. They hadn't been to Hebrew school. They don't know anything of the scriptures. Who do they think they are? And some guy says, well, I don't know, man. Last time I saw them, they were following this Jesus around. Oh, they realized they had been with Jesus. I'm telling you right now, I don't want a headstone because I'm going to be, I'm going to be creamy. I'm going to be with the Lord. I don't care what they do with my body. Feed it to the fish. I don't care. But if I was to have a headstone, I would love it to read, he had been with Jesus. I would love it to read that. The people would see Jesus in me and go, you know, you're not the same bozo you used to be. What's different about you? Oh, wait a minute. You've been hanging around with this Jesus guy. Oh, man. That would be powerful. That would be powerful. If somebody would see that, you know what I mean? That's powerful. That's powerful stuff. Not worrying about anything. Not, not being misconceived or, or perceived. He is there for us to call upon him. He's the presence of God, the name of Jesus. There's power. There's power in the midst of trials. It's just effective today as it was yesterday. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. 
forever. And they had been with Jesus. Yes, they had been with Jesus, and they will be with Jesus forever. They will be with Jesus forever. The men followed David. But some were weary from everything that had happened. Some were weary, and David allowed them to stay behind. I'm back in Samuel. Some were weary, and they stayed behind. 200 stayed behind. 200. David still didn't hesitate. He still pushed through, and he because he was on a mission from God. He still pushed through. He still pushed through and went after these guys. He pursued the Amalekites, even though his army was cut in a third. Started out with 600, 200 stayed behind, and now there's only 400 left. It wasn't the size of the army. It was who he was with. It was who he was with. If God be for us, who can be against us? David is going to write in Psalm 118, If the Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? David knew the Lord was on his side. We should know that too. These things should be ingrained in our heart. These things should be what we live for. This is how we live. David's confidence was not in the fact that he had a number of men. And when I read this, it reminded me of Gideon. Remind me of the great Gideon. Start out with 10,000. He's going to go fight. No, you have too much. Excuse me? You have too much. Cut him down. And he goes, you know the whole thing. He ends up with 300 middle-aged bald guys. They're already, and, and that's who they, that's what he used. And he uses those men to do something. David's men were cutting a third. But it wasn't in the number. It was in God's ability. Are you trusting in your bank account, your job, your relationship, whatever it may be, or are you trusting in God's ability? See, because it's God's ability that we should be trusted in. Because everything else is going to burn up, folks. Everything else is going to go poof. It's all going to be gone. It's all going to be gone. David was reconnected with the Lord. He was realizing that he was now filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. He remembers that day when he was anointed as, as, as king. He remembers that day when God said, I won't leave you or forsake you. He remembers that day when God said, I'm going to empower you by my Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came upon David and gave him power. It was once again appearing now, and David saw it. So they start out. They meet somebody special in verses 11 through 15. Then they had found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate, and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake and figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drink or drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite. And my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the uh, Chirthites in the territory which belongs to Judah and the southern area of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag to the fire. And David said to him, can you take me to this troop? So he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master. And I will take you down to this troop. Here we see a different thing. David doesn't wreak vengeance on this guy. David shows compassion. If you haven't gathered it yet, David is a type of Christ. You are Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. 
Well, we'd like to invite you to join us in person for church at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Right now, we're following the Lord's guidance and remaining closed. However, we are still holding services online. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 on Facebook and YouTube. Just follow the links you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. We're also streaming our Wednesday service at 7 p.m. along with Bible study and devotionals each week. It's important to stay connected to church community during this time, so we hope you'll join us. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? Please let us know. Call us at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Would you pray for us too? Please keep Pastor Dave and all of us at Calvary Chapel Cape May in your prayers, that we'll be wise in our decisions, and that we'll stay in tune with the desires of Christ. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of 1 Samuel, right here on A Sure Hope. Rescue